0: Kansas State shocks KU in overtime, a much-needed win for the Wildcats. Also, look at tonight's Big 12 action and Texas Tech and K-State's football schedules. It's a mixed bag here on a Tuesday edition of the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Find us wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get those numbers up right now. Try to do some more football content. Let us know in the comments section what you all want to see in the off season. I want to make sure we keep giving you guys what you want in the content department. Uh, make sure we keep that stuff coming your all's way. All of those things. Uh, so last night, let's let's just go right to it. K State seventy five, Kansas seventy. K State is now. Fifteen and eight. They are five and five in the Big Twelve. Depending on where you look, Jalen already updated today. Uh, I don't think he has got Kansas State in right now. He just has got the only Kansas team I believe he has is yeah is KU. Uh, K State did do some work here to get themselves a little bit closer to the bubble, but that four game losing streak that they suffered really did put themselves kind of behind the eight ball. The good news for K State is this: they've got wins over Baylor and a win over kansas now um this game though exposed a couple things number one uh, both ways i'll say this this exposed ku's lack of depth we knew that you know they have one of the highest percentages of their points coming from a uh, the starting group basically right harris adams dickinson mcculler and furphy are really the kind of the, the big guns for them. And then you get some Parker Brown, you get some Nick Timberlake, you get some El Marco Jackson, uh, you get all those guys in there. But really, like they they can only they can pretty much only score. El Marco Jackson can score, but like I mean, it feels like they are only scoring from their big guns. And that kind of played itself out again. And you got a, a Houston team coming to town on Saturday, and then you flip to a Monday and you're on the road against K State. It's hard that it is, but you need somebody else that you can rely on. And that's what's gonna be Kansas's big problem, I think, in the tournament again, is that you know they've got too few players that they can rely on. They need somebody else to step up and it, it becomes a little bit more predictable. And look, you know, they have these out of bounds plays where they just feed Dickinson and it's fine and it works out, but it's not always how it's going to work. And I thought KJ Adams played really well. I thought uh Dewan Harris played really well, but like you just need you need more from some of the other guys. And also, it's funny, I did not think K State played very well down the stretch. I mean, they had the lead, but their turnover issues really did kill them, Uh, and and it kind of made this a closer game than it should have. I think, you know, Kansas State, you know, or you should have won a regulation, but they just played so poorly that they didn't, and typically that sinks you. Last night, they were 41% from the floor. They were uh, 35 from three, which is not very good. And then the big thing was I think they had shot eleven free throws in like late in the game. They ended up shooting twenty six, and they made eighteen of them, so not great. Sixteen turnovers they lost in that category. They were plus ten in the rebounds, which was really big. They hit the glass very hard. I was very impressed. Uh, Cam Carter getting eleven rebounds. Usually don't see him, you know, getting in on the act in that kind of way. I mean, that's I don't know. Um, he's six three, so he's tall, but I don't know if he's had. Another double-double this year. Yeah, he's had, let's see, one other double-double. He had a 19 and a 10. So he's a pretty good rebounder, but that was a huge effort on the boards. Um, You know, I like the effort, especially just the effort in general from Kaluma. Although Kaluma has one of the worst passes I've ever seen late in the game, where he just chucks it off the backboard. So there's all these moments, right? But despite that, uh, and this is also a thing too, both these teams, benches weren't very good. Um, Or like, they didn't play much fun. I mean, guess the plays 26 minutes and McNair jr plays uh 29, seven players play the entire game for K state. Uh, you know, you could tell that this game was one of those they had to win. So huge night for Tyler Perry, who goes 26 points, four of 10 from three. Um, and for them too, I mean, they had 15 assists on 24 made baskets. So they passed the ball very, very well. Now KU actually had 21 assists on 28 made baskets. They passed the ball pretty well too. But it felt like there were times where Kansas just ran out of gas and K-State was able to take advantage of that. Despite the fact that they only played seven guys, K-State felt like the team that was able to take advantage. And this was, this was a huge win for K-State. I mean, absolutely huge. Uh, if you look at what they've accomplished so far this season, You know, and what what the big wins are for them. They lost to USC, who's not very good. They beat Providence in overtime. They lost to Miami. Uh, They lost to Nebraska. And then you know they they didn't really they don't really have a win over a team in the NCAA tournament field right now until. They hit the conference schedule and they beat Baylor. They have beat uh, Kansas. The win against UCF is good at West Virginia is actually pretty decent too because they've been good at home. But yeah, this is not a team that's gotten a lot of the work done. If you go to the net ratings too, that bears that out also. K-State, while they look like they can be good at times, just uh, not you know not all the way there yet. And once again, I think it's because of their lack of depth that they have this season. So they're 79th in the net rating and against quad ones are two and three and quad two they they're four and four. So they've been playing 500 basketball in that range. They've got a good chance to pick up more wins. They're still in this thing, obviously uh, you know, with being 15 and eight, five and five in the league, but at BYU is a big game this weekend, this Saturday. It's nice that you've got all this time off. You've got TCU at home the following week. So you get a full buy before you get another big Monday game, um, you know, against uh, let's see uh, at Texas. So, Plenty of opportunities. They got Kansas again. They got Iowa State at home and basketball farm again, too. So there are opportunities for Kansas State, um, but they are kind of behind the eight ball, which is weird to say for a team that's five and five in the Big 12, but they just didn't get a lot done in non-conference. And obviously losing Naquan Tomlin was a huge burden on their season. But a great win for Jerome Tang and his team. Back-to-back years that they've done this to Kansas State and Jerome Tang's record in overtime, 11-0 as a head coach. And once again, I just love the way that Jerome Tang empowers his players. He lets them decide the outcomes for better or for worse sometimes. But a lot in those tight games, those overtime games, it's always been for better. They have not, once again, they've not lost an overtime game. So credit to Jerome Tang, credit to K-State. Credit to the staff. Everybody did a great job. Credit to the fans. What a great environment that was. And, uh, you know, they get a huge win over Kansas. Once again, look like they've got that extra gear at times, but also uh, fairly imperfect, right? With with how they've been this year. They're six and four in the league now. And it's a tough league, but four conference losses in your first 10 games. Not we're accustomed to seeing from Kansas. That brings us to tonight's action. The only ranked versus ranked matchup across the country tonight is in the Big 12 Conference. Along with some other games, Houston looks to rally at home against Oklahoma State. I expect they will at the Petita Center at 6 o'clock. A uh, big one, Longhorn Network at 7. Iowa State travels to Texas. Texas is one of those teams that if you look at what Joe Lennardi has right now in terms of bracketology, uh, he has got them off the bubble, but they have been flirting with the bubble most of the season. The are kind of the Big 12 bubble teams right now. K-State trying to fight their way back on. Cincinnati is in the first four out. They've got a strong resume, but Texas trying to keep themselves off of that area right now. Iowa State looking to rebound after that wacky game against Baylor where a shot goes down at the end. They're not able to win. So let's see, how does the Iowa State offense look? Uh, Can they muster another good road performance? It feels like, you know, you kind of spent, kind of spent all of your, uh, you know, road currency and back-to-back road games in that short period of time. We'll see what Iowa State can do on the road against Texas at seven o'clock on ESPN plus it's BYU and Oklahoma big game for both of these teams OU a narrow point and a half favorite I expect a competitive game once again both these teams hover around 500 going to be in that mid-seed range both of them pretty safely in right now but you want to make sure you keep your head above 500 of your BYU and OU gets your head above 500 if possible in conference. And then here is that one rank versus rank game. I mentioned at Foster Pavilion, 8 PM on ESPN. It's number 23, Texas tech and number 13, Baylor Baylor escapes their last game at home with a win. Um, well, you know, it was a thoroughly entertaining game against Iowa state, Texas tech coming off a home loss, which they suffered against Cincinnati. They've got back-to-back losses. The red Raiders, who started the season so well, uh, need to bounce back here. Let's see if Pop Isaacs can shoot the ball better. Uh, Let's see if Baylor, you know, can they control the game a bit better and hopefully win one of these games? It feels like they've just been playing in tight game after tight game after tight game. It's a stylistic thing for them. Let's see. How does that look? once again, another great night in the Big 12 Conference. All right, let's shift our attention to football. So if you all have been watching the show, you all will know that I have been doing the football schedule breakdowns, right? So I broke down schedule-wise. Uh, I have already done the four incoming schools out of the Pac-12. I have done the four second-year schools, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU. I have done Oklahoma State, and I also I think I did Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State with them, too. So that means if we're going kind of in order of how teams did last year. Uh, Kansas State and also texas tech are uh you know or you know how they finish in the league if you want to just go that way i'm just doing kind of towards the top teams um k-state is up and then also to texas tech that's who i have to going today uh k-state I know, I know texas tech finished seventh um at five and four but i've got them in here today west virginia will be coming tomorrow as well with tcu you want to pair those two together so let's do k-state and texas tech because i feel like their fan bases are pretty similar. So let's go with K state first. All right. So Kansas state for the coming 2024 season, uh, a nine and four years that they had last year. And I think, you know, K state now wants to live in that range. Like Chris Klein done such a good job. It's almost setting an expectation. I don't think it's too high, but he set a high expectation for them. And so you look at this schedule for 2024, UT Martin at Tulane, uh, Arizona, then at BYU, that's their first four. They've got Oklahoma State at home, which is good, at Colorado at West Virginia both on the road, Kansas at home, then their last four games at Houston, Arizona State, Cincinnati at Iowa State. So, if you think about this thing, you know what, what do I like most? I actually like the closing. I like the closing four games. At Houston, yes, a challenging game, potentially challenging environment. But a situation that I feel like Kansas State is very well equipped to handle. I, I don't think that's a. Uh, I don't think that's a stretch run where they could not go three and one. Yes, for sure. Four and zero oh is possible. At Iowa State, Farmageddon. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Of course it is. But I think you know the two and two would be worst case out of this four, and then Iowa State there at the end of you, know, you get three and one that stretch you're good. That middle stretch is hard too. Oklahoma State. At Colorado, at West Virginia, Kansas, I mean, you've got you know uh, Oklahoma State, who you know is a really good team, beat you last year. It's in your building. It's good. At Colorado, we've got no idea. At West Virginia, we know should be tough, considering what West Virginia brings back and what they accomplished last season. And then, obviously, Kansas' is a rivalry game. Now, you've beaten Kansas a whole heck of a lot, but last year, even without Jaden Daniels, they, they played you really close, and that is an improving program, so you expect those games to be challenging. And then the first four games, I see a three and one there. I really do at BYU, probably the toughest, uh, toughest team they play is Arizona toughest game could be at BYU because of the road nature at Tulane, you know, Willie Fritz kind of raided the place on the way out on his way to Houston. So I've got some serious questions there about that game, uh, you know, about, about how good Tulane is. And I think you could be seeing a K-State team at rolls three and O into BYU and We've got no idea what we're going to say. So at glance, if you look at the schedule, man, I mean, I think it's another eight, nine win season, uh, you know, for K-State upcoming here. A-, a huge part of this though is what does the offense look like a- with Avery Johnson? We know what the deal is. And it's funny, Josh Pate had an interesting clip that went on his show on the on, um, late kick the other day about Avery Johnson. And basically saying that Will Howard is at Ohio State now, because Avery Johnson is the quarterback of the future. And I, I think in some ways that is true. I also think that K-State personnel wise, and I made this point before K-State personnel wise is probably better off with Avery Johnson, because if you've got Will Howard, who is a decent runner, right? Uh, he's a good runner, but you know, he is a, Passer. He's a very good passer. And we saw when they went to the Big 12 championship game, they were able to distribute the ball to all parts of the field because of Will Howard's arm strength and he was very accurate and he understood the offense well. And when you took away some of the pieces from that K State team and you went with this year's group, the receivers were not as good, right? The running backs were, were good players, but, you know, Deuce Vaughn is this ultimate Swiss Army knife. Obviously, they still had Ben Senate, but, you know, Ben Senate uh, plus Deuce Vaughn uh, plus Phil Brooks uh, you know, plus and the other guys they had like last year, it just kind of all worked out for them you know, with the different kind of guys that they had in the 2022 season. And so I think this offense is better off if it is going to be a kind of quarterback running based offense. And you figure out what Avery Johnson is as a passer, but like you kind of create things passing wise with your rushing game. And then you go, you know, a lot of RPOs, right? Can you create those lanes where guys can use you know, quality route running or their, you know, maybe speed and quickness to get open, you know, because K-State, let be honest about it, they've had really good wide receivers in the past, but it doesn't feel like they've got a super strong wide receiver group. They didn't last year, and maybe they do this season. Maybe we'll see, but that was not a top-tier feature of this year's Kansas State offense, I would say. So I would fight back on the idea a little bit that Will Howard, like it's it's a more natural fit, Avery Johnson is, I don't necessarily know th- that means that that Will Howard is is not as good of a quarterback. I know Avery Johnson's got maybe a bit more talent than Will Howard. Just kind of the, the you know the the tandem. I think Will Howard's got a lot of Sunday potential, but that's the big question. Overlooking K State season is does Avery Johnson make more sense for the offense? Because it feels like it does. It, it feels like last year they couldn't totally cut him loose cause he's still so young and they, and they needed Will Howard to rely on him as a veteran. He's been in those spots, but now full off season as a guy, turn him loose, turn him loose and see what you have with AJ in the backfield. Let's go with another big 12 team that had a nice season. Let's go with Texas tech. The reason why I want Texas tech is I think, you know, if I'm talking about building, Uh, These two schools fit the profile. Two great seasons back-to-back. And uh, great seasons, uh, not for Texas Tech, great, but they accomplished something they had not done since Mike Leach, which was have one coach get back-to-back winning seasons. Texas Tech has had back-to-back winning winning seasons in the last 10, 15 years. They have not had one coach with back-to-back winning seasons in the last 15 years. So when I look at this schedule, a chance for three in a row, I like their chances. That first five games, we could be looking at a 5-0 and o team. Abilene Christian, Washington State on the road, North Texas, Arizona State, Cincinnati. All right? Uh, Washington State, will see where that team is next year, roster-wise, but still it's a tough trip to Pullman, right? And Texas Tech has not fared well the early season games against uh, teams in that part of the country, right? Oregon loss, Wyoming loss. So it's the case here again. North Texas, I'm not sure what that group looks like, so I can't speak to that. Arizona State and uh, Cincinnati. So all three of those games are at home. Okay, this is where things do get challenging. A middle four-game stretch of at Arizona, Baylor, at TCU, and at Iowa State. This is where we're going to find out how good is Texas Tech. Is it going to be all shootouts, or has your defense improved? How good is Baron Morton? Can you keep him healthy for this grind? Is the offense going to have as many weapons? Is the defense going to be improved? All right? Uh, is it going to be, you know, are they going to be able to attack teams through the air like they did last year at times? Or also the kind of the most effective thing they can do is run the football later in the season with Taj Brooks. Or it's going to be a mix of the both. What does Zach Kitley have in year three? As a coordinator, I think that uh, this stretch here in the middle will tell us so much because you've got a, uh, you know, Brent Brendan coming into Arizona, obviously. So we'll see what that looks like, but still a really good roster. That could be a shootout type game. Baylor, you get a more defensive oriented coach in uh, Dave Aranda. Then you go at TCU on the road. Okay. You beat TCU last year and you gave him hell the year before. What does TCU and Sonny Dykes look like? Ken O'Brile's too. And then you've got, and actually, you'll you'll kind of get something similar in those back-to-back games with, with in terms of like what you're going to see on offense. And Iowa State, Matt Campbell on the road. I mean, I think here, you know, you're hoping for two and one out of those road games. If you go one and two and you beat Baylor, and you go two and two in that stretch. I think that definitely keeps you in the Big 12 championship hunt because if you look at those final three games, Colorado at Oklahoma State Tech and West Virginia, uh, those games are going to define whether or not we are talking, uh, you know, about a situation where we have got a team, um, you know, uh, let's see, yeah, we've got a team that's going to be competing for a Big 12 championship. And th- that's that's the key. For, for Texas Tech this year, the key is get me to November 9th and I want you in the Big 12 championship conversation. I want at Oklahoma State against Texas Tech to maybe be a Big 12 championship game eliminator. I would love for that. That'd be a great environment for it. That would be a great game for it. That'd be a great showcase for the Big 12, and hopefully West Virginia, Texas Tech has plenty on the line too. So when I think about this Texas Tech team moving into 2024, uh, definitely another winning season. That needs to happen. But another season where I, I want the season to be one where you are competing uh, you know, in November, make it to November 9th with your hat in the ring for a Big 12 championship. Winning is not always a straight line. It's not always seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, ten and two. That is not how this thing works. It's not how it goes. But, but the good news for them is I think back to back winning seasons is a bit more like, and I think it will continue to be. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on X slash Twitter uh, at Josh Neighbors underscore at NWPod365. You all can find me wherever you all get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, we'll catch you tomorrow.